Hello everyone, welcome back to just another F1 podcast here in the Apex Motorsport. My name is Richard Smith and this is Season 2, Episode 8. We've just had the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and I'm delighted to say I'm joined once again by Ryan Caldwell. Ryan, thank you for joining me. What's your media thoughts after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix? Well, instantly I can say, what an amazing race. You know, many fans have been waiting for a race like this for a long time and I'm finally glad that we got an amazing podium, an amazing finish. And honestly, it was probably one of the highlights of the last three years, I'd say. Yeah, it definitely was a fantastic race. Fantastic end of the race, more importantly. Uh, we'll start off, as we always do, talking about the F1 fantasy teams. We'll keep it very brief this week. Um, it hasn't really been too much to change, other than the lead. But, Ryan, I think you are now in the lead, finally. I overtook you for, for one week. You've reclaimed your crown. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And I still have my Mega Driver which will come to my advantage at some point when I finally, you know, feel like some some person will win it for definite or have a really good uh, point scoring weekend, which could give me that boost to just absolutely smash this league for for another year, <laughs> I guess you could say. But no, the teams are looking quite strong at the minute, and I do have my regrets about not changing out the person I said I was going to change out, Lance Stroll, even though I forgot to change him out again. And by the time I remembered, once again, it was Friday, it was all locked in, and I was out of luck. Yeah, you're currently um, in the lead. I'm second, but we're, we're alternating teams here at the moment because you're first, you're third, and you're fifth, where I'm second, fourth, and sixth. So it's quite interesting. Um, there is about 400 395 points between first and sixth so it is still possible that uh, my world champions team down the bottom could pull in the league but I don't really think that's going to happen at at this stage Um, Ryan are you going to make any changes for the next race in France? Well as as I still have my you know two main teams that were half joke teams but I didn't realise that when you make your first team that should actually be your good team because it automatically gets put into you know, the main leagues, which I ended up just calling the Merc Engine Boys, which did work. Actually, it didn't work at all because I had Bottas, Vettel, Stroll, Norris and Russell, as it has always been with McLaren as the constructor. As we know, Danny Rick didn't really perform that well, so that dropped the constructor down. Uh, Bottas, well, don't need to comment on that. And Stroll, we all know what happened, very unfortunate. As well as Russell, like, come on, everyone was dropping out of my team. The only person that gave me hope was Vettel, who surprisingly pulled off an amazing... I think it was, uh, what was it, nearly nine nine places he managed to pull up in the second. That That's mental, especially around Baku. And then Lando Norris as well. He, he sort of helped save me. And once again, Jap Scrap, which is mainly the Honda guys, plus uh, Ocon. Ocon, once again, didn't even get a chance to start the race. But Sonoda helped out a wee bit. You know, he got his, final, he got his first P7, you know, his best uh, finishing yet. And then my main team, Bottas, Perez, Stroll, Norris, Gasly. Now, to be fair, this would have worked really, really strong in my in my favour if I had have switched out uh, Stroll for Vettel because that would have meant I would have had the race winner, second place, third place. I would, have no- I would have had Norris, but I would have had the deficit of Bottas. So it would have worked out quite well for me, actually. I did work it out. I would have had an extra 200 and something points if I didn't have Stroll in my team. And I would be actually beating my supposed best team. Yeah, you have you have took the lead. Um, my world champions team, which is sort of my third team, actually scored the most. It was very um similar score uh, scoring weekend for all my teams. 
I think that was mainly helped the fact that I had Pierre Gasly as my turbo driver for the World Champions team. Uh, for my transfer crew uh, team, uh, I obviously had the, the stroll. He's, he's the one that makes up the numbers. Got the minus 20 for him. But then I had Perez as my turbo driver, so I got a nice 102 points from him. And of course, my main team, I had uh, Lando Norris as my turbo driver, so I got um, 64 points from him. Gasly also scoring well with 43. But Hamilton scoring only 5 points, which for a 7-time world champion, you know, you, you think he could be doing better, but we all know the reasons uh, for that. Um, we'll start uh, by talking a little bit about qualifying. Now, it's a very disruptive session. I think it probably has to go down as one of the longest qualifying sessions in some time. There was four red flags. There was two in Q1, one in Q2, and then obviously the instant later on in Q3. Ryan Stroh brought uh, the, the red flag first in Q1, and then followed by Giovinazzi. Do you think with them two drivers not able to progress, or do you think that really damaged the weekend? Yeah, I think it really did. But on the same t- at the same time, we've seen that they actually managed to fight back quite a bit in the race. Uh, they didn't finish off too badly, to be honest, apart from Stroll obviously ending up on the wall again because of a tyre punk- tire failure, which ultimately I think it's been narrowed down that it is actually Pire- Pirelli's fault or Pirelli's problem because uh, we've seen the same thing happen with Max Verstappen. Uh, Lance Strolls went after 31 or 32 laps, and Max was quickly like only a lap difference between them. And it was the same tyre around the same amount of laps, even though the tyre was supposed to do about 40 laps, it only did about 31, 32. Now, obviously, there's going to be different factors on aero, down, you know, the downforce, the traction they have going through corners, how much acceleration they put out going in the going out of the corner like all those factors doing to go, go into play but the fact that two had the exact same outcome i don't think it was right but no in qualifying it was quite quite uh length lengthy as you were saying you know the four red flags i was like are we ever gonna get to q3 at this at this stage eventually we did and it actually was quite a show to be honest i thought it was it was quite good seeing them battle it out the last 10 yeah, I think the the beauty about the red flags coming out meant that the drivers sort of they all had one final final run and they were all backing each other up and it reminded me of Monza a few years ago where only Leclerc crossed the line where they didn't qualify they were going that slow and obviously they didn't even get set their lap times because there was well are we are we going to blame Ferrari for potentially throwing this qualifying as well to give Leclerc another pull two two races in a row after. Signs uh, ended up bringing out the red flag, but that's after you know the crashed. I just wonder, signs from the onboard, it looked like he didn't see Sonoda, and it just happened that he crashed as well. Or do you think there could have been a possibility where he's seen Sonoda and thought, I'm going to go straight on here, the red flag's going to come out? See, I, what, I, what I can understand from it is he was coming into that point, and if you do take the footage, you know, slowly frame by frame until he comes into the view, he is starting to slow down. You can see the car tilting forward for that corner as he's starting to slow down. And you just see the rear wing of Sonoda, like the very edge of the rear wing of Sonoda's car. And that's whenever he starts to lock up. So maybe he did see it, slammed it, and was like, right, I'm either going to try and slow down as hard as I can and turn it out of this corner, or I'm going to go head off into the, the runoff area. And he did go for the runoff area, but he just locked up too hard and he just spun the car and hit the hit the wall. So I do I do think he he didn't do exactly the right thing. I think he should have just taken the escape road and still braked hard, not to the point of locking up and probably damaging his car, but just enough to 
you know, get them through close even to the barriers at the end of the runoff area. Because there's still quite a lengthy bit of runoff from where he started breaking. But no, Sonoda didn't help things for signs and it definitely didn't help his weekend either. I don't think that that uh, put him in the best of moods. Obviously the red flag did help Charles Leclerc claim a second pole position in a row. I don't think Ferrari really should be at the very front based on the, the four-man given the, the type of circuit it is. It does, it, on paper it doesn't really suit Ferrari but and you could say the same about Monaco but Ferrari did look impressive throughout the weekend, throughout the practice. They were right up the front, but then we did see the Mercedes away down. We don't really know the problems for that. They could have been... I know there was an issue with the wings. They were running two different wings and stuff, and probably different practice setups and different programs they are run through. But for Charles Leclerc to be in a pole for the second race in a row, do you think that is the sort of confidence boost that he and also Ferrari need to help them push forward and it's not even close the gap on Mercedes and Red Bull anymore. It's to, to stay in this fight for Ferb and McLaren. Yeah, I think, you know, Leclerc has this determination that we don't really get to see much of after the race because obviously he hasn't been in that top step yet so far this season just due to unfortunate events. You know, Monaco, I think he genuinely probably would have won it if he did get away on pole. And then again, in this race, it wasn't so much unfortunate, but we knew that they didn't have the straight line speed. But no, I definitely think, you know, even at the end of the race, Charles was fighting against Lando and fighting against Pierre. And it was an absolute storm, the three of them going at each other around the tight, narrow 90 degree corners of Baku. So I think it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely something that they're, they're working on and they're trying to figure out where they can go faster. But they definitely had major time gains in the corners, which is what they were good at, the low-speed, narrow corners. The same as in Monaco, that's where they had gained most of their speed. Um, they lost most of their speed as well in Monaco going out uh, past the ocean, I guess I could say the, the, the Marina Bay, heading into the, the main chicane. Uh, you know, along that back straight as well in Baku, that's where they're losing most of their time. But they still managed to gain enough time in the corners that when they come to that straight, the time they lose is just slightly proportional to what they've gained. So they end up being roughly the fastest around the, the circuit, which is a real confidence boost for them, especially whenever there's still maybe I think two or three more slightly street circuity type tracks where they could gain some major points which could actually secure them that third place uh, constructors championship which would be nice to see you know Ferrari back up in the top three but I don't think uh, McLaren's going to let them go too easy I think a big issue for Ferrari could be the Singapore Grand Prix being cancelled I think that's also going to be a negative for Red Bull as well because there there is rumours about two races in Austin where the USA Grand Prix is held which I think is a track that will suit Mercedes well. Do you, do you agree with that? Or do you think Red Bull may have a better opportunity this year than, than most years? I think whenever we go to Austin, Texas, it's it's normally a Mercedes-dominated track. But Red Bull seem to have a really, really good, strong package that those weekends that they're quite competitive against the, the Mercedes. So whenever you compare it and you actually look at how how much time they're losing from each other currently compared to last season it's almost minimalistic you know i think red bull are going to come back in these other you know main permanent tracks and they're just going to wipe the floor with mercedes like i know we've been saying it for a long time you know maybe this is the year maybe this is the year that mercedes finally get it hard 
and it's happening you know the constructors it's been extended now for red bull because of both bottas and hamilton not scoring points i think it ended something like a was a 55 or 53 points for, for hamilton, run for hamilton yeah. just for hamilton not the team no for the team it's the first time that both cars have finished inside or have finished the race but failed to score points since 2012 Jeez. so that's Rosberg Schumacher era so that's not even bad. the era. that is bad that that just shows how bad of a weekend they really had here in Azerbaijan that's mental yeah because usually a bad weekend for Mercedes means Hamilton finished 7 or 8 and Bottas <laughs> maybe came 9 for 10 for even maybe 11 for 12 that is Hamilton's first time or first race he hasn't finished since Austria 2018 which is the race before my first Grand Prix I was at, which is eight, feels like ages ago now. And that just shows you the, the run he's been on, which is incredible to, to go that long. 54 races to you know, to finish every single race and in the points as well for all of them. I think it was announced there in the press conference there just this weekend on Thursday that Lando Norris is currently the only driver who has... I can't, well, I can't exactly remember exactly how he said it, but he's the only driver to have points in the last, you know, the last year and have stayed in the top 10 throughout the whole of the year. Every other driver has not been in the top 10 at some point within the last year, which is quite insane to think that this one guy, Lando Norris, has been in the points more times than Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Norris better than Hamilton. That's, that could be a potential title for us. Um just looking at the, the qualifying or the starting grid for the race, I think this has to be probably one of the most exciting top six I've seen in a long time. You know, Leclerc in the front row with Hamilton, with Verstappen and Galsley behind them, with Sainz and Norris, and you've even got Perez and Sonoda behind them. And if you all go further, you have Alonso and then you have Bottas in the final Mercedes. It's a very exciting grid, and it's so mixed. There's four, four different teams in the top four, and I think for, for Red Bull to have their sort of B team, sister team alongside them shows how quick they could have went if the red flag wasn't out, but also how quick that that AlphaTauri team progressed this year. Yeah, I don't even think it's just so much AlphaTauri because we've seen that Pierre Gasly, he basically is like Max in the Red Bull. He has had that car adapted around him and Pierre just seems to be that comfortable with the car now that he's able to find the limits the absolute tipping point of where the car will lose traction so minimum like very few centimeters away from hitting the walls like i think between the two teams it's going to be closer than what we think it is maybe not so much in the permanent tracks but the street circuits i definitely think that the alpha tire seems to be a great package compared to the red bull yes red bull is obviously fantastic as well and then to see, you know, the Ferraris up there as well, you know, it's about time we've seen Ferrari. But to even have, you know, Sainz, Norris and Perez just all in that line behind them is, is crazy. And I, th- I do feel quite bad for Sebastian Vettel because he was actually improving on his, previ- on his last time, which would have seen him into Q3, although we know what happened in Q2. But I, I do feel sorry for him that he had that opportunity to actually start higher up in the grid because he 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 managed to switch on the tires he was man he was really comfortable with the circuit and the car this weekend which explains his, his race result but no i think qualifying was was quite interesting definitely 
If we move on to the race now, and for the most part, until sort of the last three laps, there wasn't really too many noteworthy moments. I think the the big one was the Lance Stroll, are we going to say it's a tyre failure or running over debris to cut the tyre? Uh, a Pirelli have said they're going to take a look at it, the full investigation. I think it obviously happened to Master Stappen with four, three, four laps to go with the race. And he obviously said to the press afterwards that, you know, it was it was debris, that's what happened. And Pirelli immediately come out and said that. But then his dad took to Twitter and says, that's what they always say. So obviously I think he must think it's, um, it's the Pirelli's fault. And given that they've went a step softer this year than they did the last time we visited was 2019, and given how much the cars have changed and the tyres have changed, and with so little testing time this year, and probably the disrupted sessions in practice and qualifying, do you think that there just wasn't enough data to set to get the tyres right for this weekend? I think what's happened is that Pirelli have actually overestimated the lifespan of their tyres. I do feel we probably should have went up and used the the C2, C3 and C4, the mid-range tyres, instead of going down to that softest stage. I think, you know, we would have seen still a really great race and most teams, most of them might have ended up using mediums and, and even the softs. You know, this, obviously then this race, the mediums were technically, would have been the softs if they had have went up a stage. And they were still quite quick, you know, from softs to hards. The hards weren't exactly a slow tyre either. You know, we've seen a lot of cars coming out in the fresh t- the fresh hard tyre. And even people out in the softs, you know, yes, the softs are probably at their end of their working lifespan. But people were switching on the hard tyres really quick compared to the softs, which was quite surprising to see. But when the tyre, you know, there was talks about it over the weekend from qualifying to the race... Pirelli increased the the pressure in all the tyres by one PSI. Now, that's not a lot of pressure, but when you look at these Formula 1 cars, the very slightest measurement or the slightest increase in anything will alter the car's performance massively. And we don't know how much pressure or or downforce has been exerted onto these tyres, as every car will be different. But it just goes to show that it happened twice. Could it be that maybe... Max and Stroll took the exact same racing line and caught the exact same piece of debris. It's likely, yes, but you've also got to factor that, you know, why did it tear apart so quick? You know, if, you're not going to get a cut in the exact same place on the tire, but you will get a, you know, a cut in the tire somewhere. But it seems that in both pictures we see afterwards, the tire is shredded in the exact same way from the sidewall, which I would have expected more of it to shred you know, into the actual grain of the tire itself, where you would be running over, you know, where you've run over the debris, but it it was the sidewall that completely sheared away. So I think it might have actually just been a Pirelli tire issue that they overestimated. It, it would make sense if it was a tire failure because neither team, I think, got any indication that it was going to happen. You respect with all the sensors and the lap data and the on the tires and stuff as well that if they thought they were getting the puncture they would get some indication, you know, the slightest drop of pressure, because you cut into the tyre, there'll be a slight drop of pressure. Yeah, like we've seen with George Russell, they, they picked up on that puncture back when he fell down for Lewis Hamilton, they picked up on that puncture straight away, and, like, the only reason they didn't notice it, like, as quick as what they could have, was because as he was driving, he was building temperature, and with temperature increasing in the tyres, it actually 
obviously you know heat expands so the tires were still expanding under the heat uh, thermal conduction so yes the tire pressure was still going up but con contrasted to what it should be doing that's how they picked up on it they were like right this isn't going up as fast as what it should we have a puncture and of course they did have a puncture whereas this there was no indications at all of any any pressure drop in their tires and they have definitely like they we deal with tire pressure sensors all the time in cars so never mind having it in race cars like they're going to be the most high tech to the exact you know maybe 10 decimal places i don't know how exact the pressures are so for it to just randomly explode it doesn't make sense yeah i think what i heard crafty say at the start of the race was the tires from the 2019 race the hard tires some of them were doing like 50 laps and it was a 55 lap race or even maybe even 51, 51 51 laps. so they were, so you seen george russell on the first lap pit and minecraft is saying he might be able to go to the end of the race obviously he didn't which <laughs> we obviously had to retire right to the, the very last lap i think it was but i'm sort of glad he didn't but because I think he pitted, was there, was there a safety car for the Stroll, the Stroll incident? There was a safety car? Uh, yeah. Because uh, Stroll's a driver who needed a safety car. He did get a safety car, but then he couldn't con continue on. So I think it would have been, without that safety car, it would have been interesting to see if there had been any more drivers pitted. Because or, or, you know, I think Schumacher come in at the end, he was on a long stunt. So it would be interesting to see if there had been any more tyres sort of explode throughout the race and potentially even if there was no red flag. Um, the Verstappen incident obviously brought out the red flag and apparently Christian Horner or the Red Bull team suggested to bring out the red flag to allow the Jolly drivers to pit. Do you think that was them being concerned about the safety for the other drivers or do you think it was right with got this far in the race there's three laps to go if we go and count back here max your staff is going to pick up the one we have a we'll have our first one two in a couple of years anyway do you, do you think that could be possible or was it a genuine safety concern from christian horner and the team you know either way there would have been one positive but two negatives to that because if you if you really think about it if they did red flag it and they weren't going to continue it's going to be counted back yes Verstappen wins and then it's Perez but also it could he could have called for the red flags and they will restart which they did but who's to know that maybe Hamilton didn't get ahead of Perez and then they've lost that altogether they don't win at all so at the same time you have to look well did he do it because he was confident they were going to stop the race indefinitely because there was only going to be two laps left to race you know it's hard to tell but at the same time they had everything to lose just as much as what Lewis had and I, I honestly find that funny he said in his car it's not a sprint race it's a marathon and then he bends it and <laughs> he bends it into the first corner on the restart oh I was like well that was some sprint race wasn't it you forgot to break oh I genuinely never I never smiled as much in my life whenever I seen the the lovely Perez Vettel and then Gasly I was like oh that's so good yeah obviously for the, the red flag they restarted the race um which i was surprised as soon as the red flag came out i said that's that race over there's no point in restarting it for two laps but then i thought 
you know what, why not do two laps sprint race because the race isn't over. There's still two laps to run. There's enough daylight. If it had been getting dark or whatever, you could understand it. But it wasn't a very lengthy red flag as we've seen in the past, like in Canada 2011, when you that, that sort of length. It was a relatively quick one. And they were able to, to, to get back out. And I was so glad they don't stand and start. Because when since they've been able to, to do that, it just adds a bit more excitement to the last couple of laps of the race. Because that had been a safety car. There was a strong possibility that, that they could have just ran the safety car at the end of the race. Although everyone to come in put... And it wasn't even fresh tyres to put on. It was used tyres for pretty much everyone in the top eight, apart from Vettel. So you could look back at that. The, the Red Bull safety concern. Some of them drivers only had their, their tires on for you know a few laps, yet they were bringing the pit to go on softer tires that had done even more laps. So surely that would possibly be an even bigger safety concern. Um, we, we never know any real speculation at this moment, but we did get a it was a two lap sprint race right at the end, and as I said, Perez was was on pole for for this. Um, and obviously I think Silver's going to be disappointed for paying all this money to get the first sprint race and then as Rajan take that crown off them um, but we've seen Hamilton go straight on apparently he hit a Mercedes called the magic button and Anthony Davidson was, was very cautious um, on commentary not to, to say what happened he knows what that button does it obviously does something to, to the brakes or something that meant that he locked up going in because you've seen the smoke coming from the from the brakes and the tires right on the grid, and I I said at that time that he's going to crash out here this turn one because this car didn't look right, and as the car's going in the corner, he goes straight on, and I think from his reaction you could tell he knew he'd done something wrong straight away, but obviously then we got a couple of good laps racing, and we've seen a fantastic battle between uh, Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc. I think probably the you know, the battle of the race for for P3, it was fantastic. Yeah, it definitely was probably one of the highlights of the race, I think, you know. Even with Lando Norris jumping in as well, coming into it, you know, he, he just all of a sudden peered around the corner and was like, hey, hello, Charles, Um, I want to join this battle with Gasly too. And for, Charles was defending so, so strongly against Lando, and he was still attacking Gasly at the same time. Charles is actually surprisingly a really, really good driver for for what people make him out to be. You know, he's the Monegasque, da, 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 you know, he's for Ferrari. Ferrari's not a good team. Charles is their number one baby boy and all this. But he actually is quite a really good race driver. He was able to attack and defend aggressively at the exact same time. And not a lot of drivers can do that, especially in this day and age. <coughs> Massive one. <laughs> yeah it was obviously an interesting podium as well because you had three drivers who all had Red Bull connections you had uh, Sergio Perez who won the race Is he obviously drives for Red Bull and he's the first second driver of Red Bull to win since January Ricardo, which quite interesting sort of puts to bed that sort of the second driver disadvantage and he could still be disadvantaged if Perez has been that good that he's been able to sort of close in the difference even more. Um, the second place was obviously Sebastian Vettel, first podium for Aston Martin Formula 1. His first podium since he left Ferrari, first podium since Turkey last year. 
Mensen, yeah, we won the, the ladder races last year, anyway. Yeah, I'm not 100% um, sure. Yeah, because Singapore was in my head, but I'm not sure. I don't think Singapore ran. I think it was Turkey. I think it was him, Ricardo in the podium there as well. And then, obviously, our one of our favourite drivers in the channel, I think the favourite, Pierre Gasly. Yeah. Fair place. First time in the podium since Monza 2020, the historic victory. I think, oh, to see Gasly on the podium was just fantastic. It was fantastic to see Perez and Vettel as well, but... And technically, we saw three Red Bull drivers. Yeah. Vettel was an ex-Red Bull, Sergio's a current, and, well, per Gasly, he's an ex-Red Bull driver. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, Gasly is doing everything he should to get promoted to the Red Bull team, but they're not bringing him back. I think it's just, you know, they've they've seen him. And yes, he might have been brought in a bet too early for especially him in a sort of junior career type whenever we've got Sergio Perez, who's done over 10 years now, and he's gone into a team. He's got the experience. He's now, what, five laps in, five races in now, and he is confident. This guy is is delivering the goods for Red Bull. And I don't think he's going to back down out of it. Like, we've seen how Alex and Pierre just dropped off. You know, they were strong for maybe the first half. Well, Pierre maybe not so much per Pierre. But, you know, they were strong for maybe the first couple of races, and then they dropped off, where it seems Perez is the opposite. He was really weak coming in, and now he's he's absolutely smashing it. We're going to see a lot more from Sergio Perez this year. He did say that it would take him five races to get the most out of the Red Bull car on the race six. He finally took victory, so it was great to see. I think now I'm going to round out the race by talking about our second favourite <laughs> second favorite driver in the grid, Nikita Mazepin. Definitely not second favourite, probably least favourite by, by a long stretch. He uh, tried to, well, severely injure Mac Schumacher in the, in the final lap. That's, that's putting it nicely, or... No, Schumacher said he was trying to kill both of them. Um, coming on the final, well, it was final corner. Schumacher was going for an overtake, and Mazepin decided he would just nudge to the right enough to just close the gap to where Schumacher almost had to go under the wall, which probably would have been better than crashing into Mazepin. But it was a very dangerous move, and the FAA have said they're going to be investigating it now because it's an internal team thing. I would expect very little to come out with it, but. Has it got to the point where Mazepin should be getting the race ban over this? I'm surprised he hasn't got his race license suspended yet. You know, they get a certain amount of penalty points throughout the year based on things they've done. But Mazepin has less than a couple of drivers already on the grid. Obviously, it accumulates through a yearly process. So even if you gain five and through one season, but it was all at the end of the season... That means your first half of next season, you want to keep as little points or penalty points or penalty issues as possible down. Otherwise, you get a one-race ban. Now, for Mazepin, I don't think a one-race ban is going to do justice. He needs to be locked up and stuck in a simulator for maybe another year and then brought back into you know the Haas Formula 1 team. I don't even think he deserves to be in Haas. I don't even think he deserves to be in Williams. Bring ART into Formula 1, stick him there, because I think that's where he belongs, you know. Slowest car on the grid, he's not on it because, well, the Williams at sometimes Nicholas Latifi is a lot slower than the two Haas drivers. Shocker. Mazepin, Mazaspin, Maza in the jail. It's the fact that Schumacher had a very slow pit stop as well and still managed to get out ahead of him, which I just find hilarious. I think it's, it's got to the point where it's he's, he's far too dangerous 
And if he keeps making moves like that, he should be nowhere near the grid. It gives you a little reminder of uh, another fellow ex Red Bull driver, Daniel. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, I was right. Danny Kvyat, the torpedo, you know, just slamming into the back of people. Absolutely blasting it out of corners, you know. It's the same sort of thing as what Mazepin does, except he spins. He doesn't really hit people, but he's going he's going that way and if he continues to do that i don't think no matter amount of uh his daddy's cash which is a lawrence stroll lance stroll song but you know it's the same for the russians i guess no amount of cash is going to stop him from getting a race ban and he really needs more than one race ban is what i think we're both sort of half agreeing on he does need time to maybe rethink what he's trying to do this year like Haas wants them to develop their skills He's still trying to beat people, which, you know, Mick, he's understood that. He's been like, yeah, I get the point. You know, we're not going to be quick. We're not going to be challenging. But if there's the opportunity, we can learn about it. We can try it. But if it doesn't work, no harm. Whereas Mazepin's like, I'm going for this. I'm going for this. I've hit him. Oh, well, I tried. But that's not what we're trying to get you to do. Right? Oh, no, I'm rushing. I do what I want. Just makes perfect sense. It's a fact as well that there's rumours coming out that Mazepin might have to leave Formula 1 to go to the Russian army for a year. It's to complete... I've seen somewhere that he's doing a degree in Russia and he needs to do military service to complete that. Do you, Could you see him potentially just leaving the grid for a year just to do it then, then come back? Do you think he would come back a better driver? Oh, I definitely think he will. You know, he'll have a lot more discipline than what Gunter Steiner's going to put on him. Now, we know Gunter Steiner's quite an angry man. You know, get out of my office. Did he slam my door? You know, we're not going to see anything like that, I don't think. But I, if he definitely goes to the military, I can see I can see a, t- a changed man coming back, you know, with a bit more discipline and a bit more, you know, acceptance towards his team and where they stand. And who knows, maybe Haas might get a big influx of money come next season and <laughs> something magic happens with the Ferrari power unit and they manage to become a midfield team again. be magical, wouldn't it? If uh, Mazepin does have to leave, who would you replace him with? If Mazepin goes... Um, can we, I wonder if it would be possible to have uh, two Leclerc's in the grid. Is, uh, how far away is Arthur? He's only is he stepped, still Formula Three? He's only stepped into Formula Three. Ah, sure, Mazepin's in Formula One. He couldn't be any worse, could he? You know, he's in Formula One. He did how many years in Formula Two? Was it just the one? Two, two I think. He did two, two years in Formula Two, and straight into Formula One. Oh, come on, Arthur, hurry up! You've got a year. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would nearly. I would probably potentially give the seat to Pietro Fittipaldi because I thought he Definitely. was impressive. Definitely. Very impressive in the car so far. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg's another option, would be a solid driver, but then I think Callum Eilat needs a seat in Formula 1, Mazepin's keeping him away from a seat, Giovinazzi could be as well, um, yeah, I would go Hulkenberg or, or Callum Eilat. Um Prediction time? For yeah. the French Grand Prix, the race we're all really looking forward to, between that and Russia, we're looking forward to them, I know you're looking forward to Russia more than I am. Oh yes. Um is Eve going to be the Russian Grand Prix? Because they're not Mazepin isn't allowed to flag. They're not allowed to play the national anthem. I'm assuming it's going to be called the Russian Grand Prix. It it still probably will be, or they might get creative. 
and uh, call it call it something spectacular. I don't know what they're gonna call it, but I think it's still gonna be the Russian Grand Prix. I can't see them calling it anything else. Yeah. If they do, you know, everyone. I don't think anyone is really too bothered about the whole thing anymore. Like, yes, obviously they did cheat and they deserved it, but throughout all the sports. You know, just leave it to the Olympics and be done with it. Nobody cheated in Formula One, not that we know of. I don't oh. think Danny Kvyat, t- you know, meant to drive under the back of people. Mazepin's the question there. <laughs> well, you know, that's Mazepin. Um, so, so predictions pole, time. Yeah, pole position for the French Grand Prix. Pole position, French Grand Prix, permanent track, Lewis Hamilton. I'll go Sergio Perez in the back of his first vic- victory with Red Bull. Uh, who do you reckon's going to win the race? Who's going to win the race? This is going to be French, French, French. Uh, we'll stick it with Max. I think Max is just going to get past him at some point in the race, whether it's an undercut. I think Max is going to take the win. I'm going to throw a, another usual wildcard prediction here. Bottas. Ooh. I reckon he'll be Mister, I him. nearly got overtaken by a Williams. Yeah, twice. He almost got overtaken by Russell again, but... I think something will happen. I've got a feeling Bottas in France will be a dull, boring race and no one will be talking about Bottas taking victory. You know, I thought Bottas was going to do something spectacular in Azerbaijan because he has proven he is really good around that track. But, you know, it just seems things don't work out sometimes. Um, Podium, I'll I'll finish this first. Um, Bottas, Perez, Hamilton. Verstappen Um, aging issue. That's how he's not going to finish. Right. I think what's going to happen is we're going to have a, a very classic type of podium. We're going to start off with Verstappen. We're going to see Hamilton. We're not going to see Bottas. Instead, we're going to see Esteban Ocon, his Ooh. home race. That's an interesting shot. That's if it is, car doesn't break down on. That's, that's very true. Uh, fastest lap, who do you think for that one? Fastest lap, uh, Valtteri Bottas. If he hasn't got a chance and he's in the top 10, he's going to go for that extra point. It's just facts. Okay, I'm going to go for, for Lewis Hamilton. And you're surprised. You actually got this right last time, saying Yuki Tsunoda being the top 10. You're going to go for something similar or something different this time around? Because um, it's not a surprise this time around, is it? Okay, it's not so much of a surprise because it's, it's the French Grand Prix. And, it's, yeah. and people think, you know, it's still a more exciting race than Russia, but I, I think, you know, Russia's a much better race. Don't don't at me because you don't know my app. But no, anyway. Um, no surprise, 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 surprise. Let's go with a papaya car. We'll finish in the top five, whether it be okay. Daniel Ricciardo or Lando Norris. It's definitely possible. It's sort of a borderline surprise, but it's one of them. Or do you want? Or do you want a real wild card throw yeah. out here? Go on, proper wild card. This is the whole point of this one. You ready? Yes. George Russell, start 11th, with, throughout practice, so FP1, 2, 3, qualifying, 1, and the race, there will be no Mazda spin. Oh. So we've got two on the same card, so no Mazda spin that whole weekend, and George Russell starting 11th. But he can spin if he gets a Q3. Well, if he manages to get to E3, that's going to be the most spectacular thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Very, very true. Um, my surprise... Oh, this is actually a real tough one. Um, I'm going to go for... Because it's a French Grand Prix, 
there's going to be two safety cars and 15 cars to finish. It's going to be a belter for race. 15 cars to finish. Here's one for you. Who do you think is going to finish higher to the French drivers? Pierre or Ocon? I'm back in Pierre all the way. I think Ocon actually might have a slightly more better chance at this. You know, it's a French team. A French team at a French track with a French driver. All the all the dots are connecting up where with Gasly, he's a French driver in an Italian team at a French track. You know, he's not got all the links. Yeah, but it's Pierre. He's a fantastic driver. I think Ocon's going to do something special. Uh, we just round this out by a couple of things that happened this week in, in Formula 1 history. June 8, 2014, Daniel Ricciardo took his first victory in only a sixth race for Red Bull at the Canadian Grand Prix. On June 10, 2007, Lewis Hamilton took his first Grand Prix victory after finishing the podium in his first five races with McLaren. On June 13, 1939, the legendary Jackie Stewart was born, who then started 99 Grand Prix in his career. Ryan, any final thoughts before we round out this podcast? Uh, no, I think, uh, you know... We're going on to a slightly better race in terms of what Monaco was. But I don't think anything this year. Actually, Spa. Spa might be the only thing that can top this Spa and, and Belgium. They might be the only two Grand Prix this year that can top Baku for me. Well, it depends if there's a lot of damage to the track over the rain over the weekend. That's true, that is true. But I do feel that we're going to have some good races up ahead, you know, and I think France might actually just be a better race than what we've seen, yeah. apart from Baku, because Baku is quite a really good race. Yeah, it definitely was, especially the final three laps, but as that's going to bring to the end to this podcast, episode 8 of the second season of Just an F one podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to this one. Of course, the next episode will be out on all the usual podcasts and platforms, YouTube as well. Um, we're going to have a lot more content coming out over the next while we solve their issues with, with YouTube and stuff. So we're going to be back bringing brand new content over the next few weeks. So yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Hope to see you all in the next one. Goodbye.